So in a typical mastermind group meeting, you're going to get the chance to talk about your business, the issues that you're facing, the hurdles that are confronting you on a week or monthly basis, to talk about your goals and what you think internally are the next steps to get you to your goals. And it's a chance for the other humans in your group to reach back out to you and say, you know, that doesn't sound realistic. Welcome to Level Up Your Course, where we pull back the curtain on what it takes to create learning that transforms lives. You will hear stories from business owners like you who share their success and their struggles. This is not where you come to hear passive income myths, friend. This is where you learn the truth about building a profitable learning platform. I am your host, Janelle Allen, and this is today's episode. What's up, everyone? Today, I am speaking with Ken Wallace, the brain behind Mastermind Jam. Ken and I connected on Twitter. We've been connected on Twitter for a while, but it wasn't until recently where we had a wonderful conversation about Mastermind Groups And I realized that I needed to get him on the show to talk about the value of mastermind groups. So if you're not sure what a mastermind group is, how to find a good one, all of that good stuff, this episode is for you. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I am really excited to dig deeper into mastermind groups. But before we get too serious, we have a tradition on the show called the Rapid Five. Five quick questions to help listeners get to know you. Are you ready? I think I'm ready, yes. Number one is easy. What did you have for breakfast? Uh, I had two eggs and a cup of coffee. Nice and simple. Number two, what is the last rule that you broke? Boy, (laughs) the last rule. Does it have to be business related? Not at all. Okay. The last rule I broke was here in the house and um, telling my wife where she had gone wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound like that. uh, Did that go okay for you? Did you make it out? (laughs) That didn't work out very well for me. I knew better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. (laughs) Number three, this one is a serious one. So brace yourself. The zombie apocalypse has hit. You have six minutes to get three essential items to help you survive. Not people. All of your people are okay. These are survival items. What do you pick? My Leatherman, my Blowtorch. And my machete. Okay. So for the record, for everyone listening, I am a part of Ken's zombie apocalypse survival group because he (laughs) sounds prepared. All right. And I'm glad you're close. (laughs) Okay. Number four, fill in the blank. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a blank. I wanted to be an architect. Huh. Okay. I guess in a way you are, actually. In a way, yeah. Yeah. I'm not designing houses, but I uh, design Online houses for people. Yes. I love that. Okay. Last one. What is the hardest lesson you have learned so far as a business owner? That's a great question. I would have to say that what people are buying from you is not always what you're selling. Hmm. Okay. So that's a good one. That's a great way to end the rapid five because I want to know more before we continue. Can you expound? Yeah. So I learned early on that we as product creators will create a product or a course or you know whatever it is that we're putting out in the world for other people to consume. And then people come to you. They come to your landing page. They find you with their own preconceived notions of what their life is like, what their world is like, and what they need. And 
they'll arrive at your product page and they might purchase what it is you're selling. And um, they have a totally, completely different reason for purchasing, for engaging with you, for consuming that object. Something completely different than you might not have ever conceived of. And it's always more important than whatever it is that you had on your sales page. So the key there is to realize when you're pricing your product, you know, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I should sell this for cheap just because it's, you know, it's basically these three Zapier things mashed together and an email they get with a PDF attached. So that shouldn't be that expensive. But on the other end, that person might be receiving tremendous value from you. You might have just made their life so much simpler, so much easier, or solved the problem in their marriage or in their work or in their business that is so much more valuable. So they came to you wanting to purchase something that solves a marriage problem or a business problem or you know something in their life. You're selling a PDF. So that's the bottom line of that yeah. tip. It's, you have to realize that sometimes people come to you for reasons that are not on your sales page and to always price based on the value of what it is you're bringing. Value-based pricing can be hard for people to grasp, to really understand. And I think that part of that is it requires you to really know your market and your customer. Right. Essentially, I think part of what you said is about the problem. Whatever it is you do in business, you need to be solving a problem. Right. But there's a pain underneath that problem. To me, that's what you're speaking to is the value comes from the pain. Yes. That's happening in their life as a result of the problem. And this is why, you know, again, it's super, super important to dig deep and and learn who you're serving. Because if you can communicate that and put it on your sales page, even better. But to your point, being able to understand that pain and the value of it allows you to price more effectively. That's right. I first learned this lesson back in 1999. I was introduced to this concept called planogramming. Now, planogramming is a concept used in retail stores for how they plan the layout of their store shelves. And me, just fresh out of college, I had no idea about retail stores. And so as we were designing the software, they were giving me an example. The client was giving me an example of what they might put in a particular aisle, like an aisle seven in this hardware store. We're going to sell drills. And then they listed off a whole host of other things that might be near the drills in this aisle. And I scratched my head. I was like, why would you think to put these things with the drills? And the client looked at me and said, Ken, what do you think it is that we're selling in aisle seven? And I said, well, obviously we're selling drills, DeWall drills, Milwaukee drills, hammer drills, cordless drills, drills. And he's like, nope. People that come to aisle seven in this hardware store, they're looking to make a hole in the wall. So all of these things are items that help them to that goal. And so the same thing with your product. If you're an online business, if you're helping somebody solve that pain, they're coming to you to get that pain solved. And your product is just a facilitator of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to keep digging in, but we can come back to that because there's so much more to say. And that connects to segmentation also, knowing the needs, problems, pains of each segment in your audience, which is something I've been talking about a lot lately, especially when you talk about pricing. You can have a segment that is, let's say, they're beginners. And let's talk about technology. So, for example, one of my clients, he works with Airtable. And there are people in his audience who are just getting started, who don't have a huge budget, but sometimes they want to learn how to use Airtable so that they can 
find their own clients. And sometimes they just have this one thing that they want to automate in their business. And so for that segment, they're at a different price point. But you have to know about them, right? You have to know those things about them. And then you have another segment, you know, he has his enterprise clients who are running multi-million dollar businesses and have teams and they're not interested in DIY. They want it done for them. They're looking for consulting. They have huge budgets. They are trying to set up complex systems and it's a completely different need and pain point and value. And so the pricing reflects that. So I just wanted to give people a real world example of value-based pricing. You can see it very well in technology or just any segmented service or product. Right. Okay. We kind of went deep. So let's take a step back. And I just realized I don't quite know what it is that you do outside of Mastermind Jam. I know you're, are you a programmer? What do you do, Ken? Um, a programmer by trade. My title is VP of Business Solutions. I help manage a Microsoft.net consulting firm in Chicago. Okay. So I have a team of employees. My practice area in that business is healthcare. So we do a lot of health IT or health e-commerce or healthcare-based applications for insurance companies. So I delve a lot into technology, but also into compliance and privacy issues that revolve around healthcare. Yeah. I probably know more about Medicare than most people that you've ever met, (laughs) unfortunately. Yeah. And we also take care of the needs of the business all the way from user experience design from the front end of adding things to your cart and checking out. But we also build all the back-end tools that the business uses to receive the orders and to process the orders and the ship and put a label on the orders. And so how does a programmer who's working in the medical industry decide to create a product that helps people form masterminds? Tell me about that journey. How did you get here? So I have long been trying to start my own business. And back in 2001, I was working for myself and uh, I was a freelancer, a programmer. And I had a bunch of clients that all kind of needed the same thing. And I just thought to myself, boy, this should be an online kind of thing where they just sign up and put their logo on it and just start using it. We didn't really call them SaaS apps back then, but it was kind of like Salesforce, kind of like what was going to become Basecamp. Basecamp wasn't around really at the time. So I just thought, boy, I, I think I can make this work. But at the time, if you remember, there was no Stripe. It was really hard to get a merchant account yeah. to receive payments in your online business. What was it? Authorized.net, I think. Yeah, Authorized.net. Yeah. And you had to program your web apps to be Authorized.net compatible. Mm-hmm. And it was a pain in the butt. And I remember just working day and night trying to satisfy the freelance clients and work on this new application. And it just went nowhere. And part of the problem was I was all by myself, like me and my cat sitting in Wrigleyville. <laughs> I had an apartment up just two blocks north of Wrigley. And it was so isolating, so lonely, just working on this business. I really had nobody to talk to. And the unfortunate thing happened is I just ran on a runway to freelance. And um, so one of my biggest clients kind of did this weird swing where they requested a ton of work from me and so much work that I kind of turned, started turning down work from all my other clients. Mm-hmm. And then that client filed for bankruptcy. Oh. And so I was kind of in a bind immediately. So I had to go back and get a job. And I told my boss, I was like, look, 
I just need like six months of work and then I'm going to go back and work on my thing. Right. <laughs> it's like, I was frank. I was upfront. I was like, dude, I'd love to have this job, but I will only be here six months and I'm out of here. Wow. I just need to refill the coffers and, you know, get back to level because I'm going to work on this software startup that I've got in mind. And how did that go? That they. <laughs> so that was 2003 when I went tail between my legs looking for a job. And, um, that was 16 years ago. So yeah, that's <laughs> I've been at that job for 16 years. Okay. Because it turns out like it's pretty cool that when you cash paychecks, they don't bounce and yeah. you can pay your mortgage and all those little things. I don't know. Life comes at you. But I, I started getting the itch again back in uh, 2006, 2007. I'm like, boy, I've really gotten complacent here. And I've built a lot of cool things for other people. I helped a lot of people start businesses. I want to do that for me. I know how to do this. So I kind of got the itch. I started listening to podcasts. I stumbled upon startups for the rest of us with Mike Tabor and Rob Walling. And I'm like, boy, these guys are just like me. You know, it's so refreshing to hear that there's other people that start businesses on the side and make them like a reality. Yeah. So I would listen to podcasts, but the problem is I can't talk to the podcast. I can't <laughs> have a conversation <laughs> with the podcast about what I'm going through. I'm chuckling because I just saw your tweet not too long ago about that. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That's been going on for years. Like, I would literally be the guy on the train, on the commute, on the blue line out to my job, talking back to podcasts. And then when I moved to a place where I was in like commuting distance, I would be sitting in the car in traffic, you know, talking to the radio. People thought I was nuts. <laughs> so I heard that um, my favorite podcast had a, a conference. So I went to the conference and it was like, oh, man, like, this is amazing. Yeah, the speakers were great, but these like, in between the sessions and mm. after the sessions in the evening over a lunch hour, sitting at a table with eight or 10 people talking about my business and their business and getting feedback from actual people who are doing it or have done it or a step or two ahead of me, people that are a step behind me. I can, you know, it's just this camaraderie, esprit de corps that happens when you're in these conferences were just amazing to me. And it was so refreshing. And so I went home just like refilled and um, ready to like tackle it. But as you know, like a month after the conference ends, you're back at home. And yeah. yeah, you got your questions answered while you're there. But now you've got new questions. You've got new problems in front of you. And then life kind of starts attacking you, right? And so, man, by the time that next conference rolled around, I was just, just so eager to sign up again. But I realized that I needed to come away with a networking group that I could just stay in touch with the rest of the year. And uh, I, I had heard people call them mastermind groups. You know, the name didn't mean much, but whatever we're going to call it, we need to have Skype calls or just telephone calls or whatever. But I, I can't wait a whole year to talk to other people about my business. Like, I can't talk to my wife about this. She's just, she'll go nuts. You know, I get a blank look from my family when I'm trying to talk <laughs> about this. And I can't talk about my side hustle at the day job. And it's just like, oh. So I went to the conference and we decided a bunch of us that were standing around talking at one of the networking events one evening, we decided, okay, let's, let's make a mastermind group of this. Like we're all pretty compatible. So the five of us um, got in touch afterwards. And while we were eager to do it, we all had the same need. We all needed to stay in touch. We hadn't really asked each other like the uncomfortable questions that would have made a difference. Things like, what kind of business are you running? What's your revenue? How mm -hmm. many years have you been doing this? What time zone are you in? It turned out that Two of the people were in Australia. <laughs> Here I am in Chicago. Yeah. There's a person in London. And we're like, oh, man. So like we soldiered through for like nine months. Like I, I had to stay up and we met. Like it was two in the morning for me when this mastermind call would happen once a week. And I did not miss it. Like I could not miss it. But 
a lot of other people had to because it's just like it's tough to be that flexible with your time. So the next conference rolled around. Like this is now three years I'm going to this conference because is this microconf? It's microconf. Okay, yeah. okay. Just so for it's like listening. three years in a row I've gone to this conference, and my wife's like, "What have you got to show for it?" And I'm just telling her like, "This is like this feeds me. Right. This keeps me going for the rest of the year." But um, for that one, I I was like, you know, can we be smarter about this? Like instead of just like swapping business cards and email addresses, let's, you know, we're all programmers in this room. Why is this not a solved problem? <laughs> so I, I put together just a simple like application with some quantity-based questions, like some actual, you know, facets and metrics that we could actually match people on. And I just wanted, I didn't want to put people in the groups for them. What I wanted to do was just let people narrow it down to the right people to talk to while they're there. So if you want to get into a mastermind group with four or five people for the rest of the year, how about you talk to these 10 people while you're here at the conference? Just get to know them. And surely your mastermind group will be, you know, you'll get four or five people out of that 10. And so that was my goal. So for each day of the conference, people got an email with 10 people they should meet that day and, you know, a picture of their face and, and stuff like that. Hmm. And then after the conference, it was like, Ken, why'd you take down that forum? And my response was, conference is over. Like, <laughs> my work is done here. A little myopic. <laughs> yeah, because at the time, my side business had changed. Yeah. Because the world had changed, and I had different clients now and different needs, and, and I was building a personal finance app for families. So I wasn't really thinking of making a mastermind group business. That didn't make sense to me, because I needed to get back to my thing, right? Yeah. So I... Uh, I said, okay, I can put the sign up back. That's no problem. And I'll just, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe once or twice a month, I'll email people out introductions. Does that sound cool? And they're like, yeah. And then I had people say, Ken, I would never sign up for this because now it's just internet randos can sign up for it. And there's no skin in the game. All of us who went to MicroConf, we had all paid, you know, 800 bucks to be at MicroConf. It's more expensive now. But we'd all paid this amount of money to be at MicroConf. We all had skin in the game. But all these new random people, we've never met. There's no vetting here. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to sign up because it's free. I'm not going to sign up because you're not charging anything. And that was like kind of a smoke signal for me. I was just like, wow, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of it like that. So I said, fine. I don't really believe you. <laughs> that's what I told the guys. Like, <laughs> I don't really believe you. So hold on a second. I put up a, uh, a link on the page. So instead of the button taking you right to the sign up form, it made you pay for 49 bucks. I was like, all right, there you go. And the next morning, people signed up. Wow. And uh, I'm like, really? really? <laughs> it's like, no, man, now I've got to make this a thing, right? right. So it's like, <laughs> now I've got to like take attention off of my personal finance app. And my day job's pretty busy. Like at the time I was working 12-hour days. And uh, like, I, okay, fine. And so um, I kind of made that a, like a codified process where it was like an email sequence. And yeah. so people would sign up. I had a back-end algorithm that I'd run on Mondays for my laptop. Then it would put people into drip sequences based on tags and introduce people if they could be introduced to a good group. Otherwise, they got another email sequence that says, hey, we're still waiting for a good match for you. Okay. I started getting emails from people saying, hey, you know, my business makes fifty dollars or $100,000 a month and you're only charging 49 bucks one time for this match. Am I in the right place? Because this doesn't seem like a good, the value doesn't line up, right? 49 bucks to match, you know, multimillionaires into a mastermind group doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So that's when I started thinking, well, you know, for a SaaS app, we would have like tiered pricing. And as you move up the tiers, you get these extra value or extra features. And I was thinking like, 
I can charge these people more, but they're getting the same thing. They're just being matched to a higher tier of entrepreneur. And so I was honest. I put that on the pricing page. And so at beginners were 49 bucks. And then I had tiers going all the way up to $1,000 to be mm-hmm. matched into a group. And within six weeks, I had people that signed up for every single tier, wow. all four tiers. And so I went to my mentors. I'm like, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> so I reached out to Heaton Shaw and Rob Walling and Mike Tabor. I'm like, is this a business? I'm like, <laughs> is this a sign I should like focus on this? So that's how this whole journey started for me. I love those stories. Stories like yours, because one of the key things that I think is so hard or can be very difficult is just to listen. Right. You know, and you had all of these, I think you called them smoke signals. And because you you started to listen, this business begins to unfold. But I can't tell you, you know, how many times I, I loved when you said you were thinking the whole time, you're like, well, I got to get back to my real business, you know, the whole time, like almost missing it. And I've so been there where I have tunnel vision. I'm focused on this thing, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing. And meanwhile, there's all this, you know, I think it's chatter on the side, but if you shift your perspective and really focus in and listen to what your audience or your first customers are telling you, it can open things up in such a huge way, which is why, you know, for anyone listening, this is why I am always drilling in the importance of connecting with your target audience, connecting with past clients, customers, and listening to what they're saying, listening to what they're repeatedly asking you for. Because it just, it changes everything. Right. That's exactly right. I love that story. So thank you for sharing. We talked a little bit before we started that people listening to the show, there many of them either have a course or they're thinking about a course. So I want to talk about how mastermind groups can be beneficial for course creators. But before that, let's be really explicit. What is a mastermind group? How would you define it? In a business setting, by the way, a mastermind group works in many different facets, but let's concentrate on business mastermind groups. Business mastermind groups is a small group of entrepreneurs who help each other achieve their goals. Yeah. That's the simplest definition I can give you. So what I found is small peer groups of anywhere from four to six people work fantastic for business mastermind groups. Yeah, I would agree. I think I first heard, I've been in, let's see, I think three mastermind groups at this point. Right. And you and I had a great chat a couple months back about just the challenges of mastermind groups, of finding a good one, of running them. I personally have been in three, like I said, three, but those were business. And then right. one personal group with some friends. Mm-hmm. It can be tricky because, especially the personal ones, because a lot of people, who aren't entrepreneurs don't know about mastermind groups. They don't get it. <laughs> They're yeah, like, you know, yeah. we're, we're meeting to do what? Especially in this day and age where everyone just wants to talk, you know, via Twitter or Facebook. But for business mastermind groups, why are they beneficial? And particularly for anyone who is building a product-based business. Well, the bottom line with mastermind groups, the reason they're beneficial to business owners is it helps you to have another set of eyes on the problems and issues that you're facing in your business. So in a typical mastermind group meeting, you're going to get the chance to talk about your business, the issues that you're facing, the hurdles that are confronting you on a week or monthly basis, to talk about your goals and what you think internally are the next steps to get you to your goals. 
And it's a chance for the other humans in your group to reach back out to you and say, you know, that doesn't sound realistic. Or, hey, the choice is right in front of you. It's obvious. It sounds like you've already made the choice. You're just not confident in it. And here's why you should be. Just to give you a new perspective. So the mastermind group doesn't always give you advice. It's not like sitting in a course. It's not like somebody handing you a blueprint or going to a workshop or a conference. A mastermind group really helps you coalesce all the things in your head into an actual action plan that you can be confident about for moving forward. Yeah, but they're tricky to get right. (laughs) It can be tricky. I think it's because mastermind is such a a wide open term, you know, it was coined in the aughts, you know, in the like 08 to 1923. And the ideas that go into mastermind groups have shifted over the decades. And first of all, you have to realize that when some people talk about mastermind groups, they're talking about a workshop. They're saying, hey, be a part of my mastermind, which is me standing on a stage and telling you what you should do in your business. And I'll be on the stage and there'll be 100 people in that room with me. And they'll call that a mastermind. And while there can be valid aspects of a mastermind to that, you just have to realize that mastermind can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So you have to get clear on what it is you need. So I like to ask people to start with what it is you need from a mastermind. Do you need advice? Do you need somebody to tell you what to do next? Or do you need a sounding board? Do you need confidence? Do you need accountability? Yeah. Because those lead to two different, very different kinds of mastermind groups. One I call the guru-driven mastermind, which can be led by like a coach or a facilitator or some kind of guru person. They feel much more like a workshop, even though you'll have a chance to talk about your business in most of them. Usually every conversation is wrapped up and a little bow is put on it by the guru person. And so if you're in a workshop setting with 20 or 30 other entrepreneurs, and even if those entrepreneurs are also sharing and stuff, if there's a person in front of the group leading the discussion, setting the agenda, and at the end of every single topic, they say, okay, at the end of the day, let's all remember this. Or the lesson that we learned today is this. Those are signals that you're really kind of in a workshop labeled as a mastermind group. And so I just call those guru-led masterminds. The other is a peer-led mastermind group where it's exactly what it sounds like. It's purely a group of people, almost like when we were kids, we're sitting in a circle playing Duck, Duck, Goose, right? There's four or five people that are on a call or sitting around a table or you know having coffee together, however it happens. And you are really just going deep on the topics at hand. And those work out best when the group is very well curated. And that's another hard thing. Yes. Uh, because people don't understand that if you ask those awkward questions up front, it makes the group much more beneficial for everybody involved. There might be times that you say to a friend, I'm sorry, this probably is not going to be the best fit for you. Um, so they have to be well curated. There has to be accountability involved. Like the people in the group have to feel comfortable telling you that you didn't make your goal. And they have to feel comfortable asking you why you keep missing this one goal you set for yourself. Is that a realistic goal? Is that a goal that you really, really, truly can attain and should attain? And what are the hurdles that keep getting your way? Let's focus on those between now and the next meeting. So there has to be a lot of candor in the group. There has to be a lot of transparency in a group to lead to accountability. And I would argue there has to be action, you know. Yeah. That's one of the things, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, I love how you framed it. So you have guru led or more coaching style, and then you have peer-led groups. One of the things that I have struggled with with regards to peer-led groups is 
a resistance, even though it's formed to have accountability, oftentimes it doesn't work out that way. Particularly, you might have people who just aren't taking action. And if other members of the group, I'll just be explicit, I have a very strong personality and I don't need a ton of accountability. I'm usually, I know what I got to do. I'm going to get it done. I'm sharing. But I've been a part of groups where we said we were going to hold each other accountable. And then when people don't do what they set their accountability as, no one else feels comfortable holding their feet to the fire and saying why. That's the breakdown. And that is the breakdown. Yes. Yeah. At the end of the meeting, you have to just set a goal. And the other members have to be listening. They have to be present when you set the goals. Don't just go around the room, set a goal, and then end the call. Yeah. Yeah. You have to talk about the goals because somebody has to be the check that says, wait a minute, is that attainable what you just said? Like, okay, by the next meeting, we're going to meet two weeks from now. And my goal, I'm going to solve world hunger. You know, okay, everybody have a great day. Somebody has to say, whoa, 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 Ken. (laughs) That sounds cool and all, but that's not an attainable goal. Like, is that even realistic? Like, what is it you can actually get done? Knowing your life, you know, you have kids, you have a family, you have a job. What is it you're going to actually get done? that moves the ball forward on this overall goal you have. Yes. So if you're in a group that doesn't do that for you week after week, it's time to excuse yourself from that group. And, you know, you can still be friends. You can still, you know, stay in touch. But find a mastermind group that works for you. So when we do the bonus segment, I want to talk about ways to possibly prevent or mitigate that from happening. Because it's happened to me twice at this point. And it really turned me off from mastermind groups. Because I felt like in one of the groups, I felt like I was the one who kept saying, you know, did you get it done? Did you get it done? Whereas the other members kind of weren't really pressed. Yeah. And like you said, like you just said, I realized that I needed to leave. It goes back to what you said. What is it that you want? I realized that the other members wanted more of a social group. They just wanted to keep in touch and share what they were working on. Right. They weren't looking for anyone to hold them accountable. They just wanted to do their own thing and share from time to time. Yeah. And it wasn't what I was looking for. So I would love to come back and talk about ways to mitigate that. Are there any other categories? You said guru-led, peer-led, anything else? No, I think in in a business context, those are really two big, broad buckets. And obviously, you know, outside of business led, you know, you could have religious mastermind groups. Sometimes they call them like sermon based small groups or Bible study groups or men's group, women's groups, you know, all kinds of these things. I keep getting people that sign up and then they cancel because they're looking for a mastermind group for yoga instructors. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like there's so many different categories for how mastermind groups can help people. It's becoming more widespread. Yes. There's so many ways to niche it down. And for anyone who's a yoga instructor wants to maybe have some additional revenue, business idea right there. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about the importance and value. Like From a business standpoint, joining a mastermind group will help you to grow faster. You know, just we all know this intuitively whether we fight it or not, but you can only go so far. What is that African proverb? If you want to go far, go together. If If you want to go fast, go alone. Yes. If you want to go far, go with others. Yes. Thank you, Ken. (laughs) So mastermind group, that's really what it comes down to. And it also is something else. And this is what we talked about a couple months ago of just visibility 
is also important. It's not only lonely, as especially an online or digital entrepreneur, but it can also be hard to find people who are interested, have similar values and interests, but also who might look like you, which is very important, you know? And that's why I remember when we spoke, you said that there were some women who reached out to you and were looking to be part of a women's group. Correct. For various reasons. Can you share one of those stories? And then we can come back and talk about other aspects of visibility. Sure. Without sharing names, in the early onboarding questionnaire, I never asked things like age, race, gender, any of that kind of stuff. Because what I do for my day job has kind of trained me to realize that you don't collect information that you don't need to get the job done because it's just adding liability for yourself. And frankly, it's just extra creepiness for no reason. So I never asked those questions. And while I did ask for profile pictures, I only used those really when I was making introductions to people. Yeah. And so I had placed this lady in particular into a mastermind group. And it just so happened she was the only woman in this mastermind group. And they met two or three times. And then she reached out to me and said, Ken, this group is pretty great. You know, I'm the oldest person in the group, which is fine. But what really sticks out to me is I'm the only female in the group. And I didn't think it mattered as much until I started meeting with these guys. And we just have different challenges right now Mm -hmm. in the world that we live in, in the tech environment. I see things happening in tech that I'm faced with, that I'm working through, that these guys aren't confronted with. And while they're open to it, open to discussing it, they really can't relate and give me feedback on how they've solved certain problems. So it would be great if you could match me in addition to this group. I'd like to be in another group that is just all women. And um, so that was really eye-opening for me. And again, always listen to your customers. Because for me, in the two mastermind groups I was in at that time, both of them had a female in them. You know, one of them was two women and two men, and one of them was three men and one woman. And it had never occurred to me that Maybe their gender is influencing how we interact with one another or, or the, like the range of experiences is, is coloring how we solve the problems with one another. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this kind of struck me as like a new thing I needed to really reflect on and research. The first problem I had was I didn't know who in my program was female. I mean, you get a sense of it just by looking at names and seeing profile pictures. But I can tell you, you'll get in trouble really fast if you start just like tagging people as male or female based on their profile picture. And um, that leads nowhere but embarrassment, right? (laughs) It's like going up and congratulating somebody on being pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Don't, yeah. (laughs) Stay away from it, yeah. (laughs) So that became a turning point for me where I was like, you know, and at the time I was working on building a new platform to make the mastermind group experience better. So I really had to think on this. It's like, well, should I be adding the question of gender? And if I add gender, what else should I add? I'm coming from a place of maybe I have some biases that I'm working with, Mm -hmm. a place of privilege that I'm, I'm working from that I hadn't considered this before. So maybe some of these other questions are relevant. So what I did is I tried to keep it simple and I just went from a place of, okay, I've had actual customers ask me to get into gender-based mastermind groups. So let me just ask that question and I'll table the discussion on the other things until customers talk to me about it. And it was just a way for me because 
obviously with any business, you've got a million things that you want to get done and you just have to prioritize. So that's kind of the way I simplified it and prioritized it. So I added a gender base question to the onboarding. And then obviously it can't just be male or female. You have to be sensitive to non-binary people or those who just don't want to share their gender. Right. So then there was like, well, how do you work out the wording on that? And I've gone, you know, I've gone a million directions on that. And I'm just trying, I'm still trying to find the right mix of how to do it. The other thing, I had more females contact me about this. They wanted to get into a female-only mastermind group. So luckily, I was able to match the first customer with some of these others that followed into a mastermind group. And even though some of the other facets weren't like a perfect fit, they were so relieved to get into a group of just females that they were willing to overlook that maybe the income disparity was too big or you know maybe the time zones were a little off and somebody was going to have to compromise on their availability and things like that. But they were happy to get into a female-based mastermind group. So they kind of assured me that I was on the right track. And then I think it was the seventh person that reached out to me about this. Had completely different reasons I hadn't even considered was religion. And they didn't want to be in a group of people in the same religion, but because of their gender and their religion, they couldn't be in a group where they were having private conversations with men who were not immediate family members. Mm-hmm. So in their religion, it's very encouraged for women to own their own businesses. And that's fine. And there's networks of these female-owned businesses in this religion. But to get into a mastermind group, to talk privately and share numbers and to get into the nitty-gritty of the everyday issues facing a business, those were private conversations. So they had like this even more personal and urgent need for getting into a gender-based mastermind group. Yeah. Did those stories help? They did. And the reason I asked you to share them is because particularly for anyone listening who is a course creator, you know, we hear so much about how the internet and online education has democratized things. But it's important to realize that we are serving human beings with very specific needs. And I wanted you to share that because it illustrates the nuanced needs And how important it is to ask yourself, what does my audience need to succeed? And then it's our job as as creators, as instructors, to facilitate that. So that's really the gist of it. When we're talking about groups, you know, we know, look, business problems are personal problems. That's, you know, one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got. If you really get down to it, it's it comes down to a human thing. And so a lot of times when we're struggling with business, it's going to be affecting us personally, or we may be bringing our personal biases or habits or whatever the case may be into the business. And there are aspects that, you know, might affect Janelle that someone else may not even be thinking about. You know, I can be dealing with something that has to do with being, you, you talked about tech which is a fantastic example. Now we have more awareness of all of the sexism in tech. And I can totally understand why the woman reached out to you because Mm -hmm. there are so many men who have, have said, I had no idea. You know, how she needs someone who understands what she's going through. Right. So that's why I wanted you to share that because it's so nuanced. And whatever you do, whether you're a SaaS founder or you're a course creator, you have to take into consideration the context of your audience. 
Yeah, because in that context, like my product was groups, right? Yeah. I'm matching you into a group. I'm providing this group. I'm giving them the tools. Like the application has video conferencing built in and the agenda and the timing and note taking and stuff. But all of this other stuff was preventing people from actually being able to use the product because, I mean, it was like a gatekeeper. And so I had to solve all these other hurdles before they could even use my core product. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right. So visibility is huge. I think we touched on that. We touched on the gender aspect, also the racial aspect. It's very real that there can be isolation from the standpoint of race as well. And I think that something that I've realized more and more each year of running my business, especially when I get messages from people, particularly Black women, who have just said, thank you for being present. It's helped me to see someone who looks like me. And I think that there's often a lack of awareness of how important that is from people who are not people of color. But it is important. You know, I think even to this day, most of my friends are employees. They aren't even thinking about business. It's kind of like what you said with your wife. If you were to try to talk to her about it, kind of her eyes would probably glaze over. (laughs) You know, she just... Yeah. And so, I, you know, it's just super important, I think, to have not just visibility, but also to be taking those things into consideration. So any final points before we get to our final questions? I think you wrapped it up really well. I still have never found a good way to add a way to match people into minority-based groups, things like that. I think those answers will come in time. But I think just from the base of a course creator, it's just important to really get a feel for your customer, who they are and what they're struggling with, and make sure your product not only solves the problem that came to you, but also make sure your product doesn't present any hurdles for them consuming that fix, that solution. Yeah. And for any course creators out there who are just getting started, if you're, or actually if you're a business owner who's thinking about creating a course and you don't have a mastermind group, I highly recommend joining one and checking out Ken's offer. So the first question, what is next for you? Anything exciting coming up? I'm working on a promotion for the end of the year to help people get a head start on their goals for the new year. I'm not sure when this will air, but um, hopefully that new offering will be available by then. Awesome. Awesome. And where can people find out about you and your work? If you just go to mastermindjam.com, they will find me and um, they'll find out more about mastermind groups and the product in general. And if you want to just hear my musings on business or if you want to reach out to me, I'm really active on Twitter and my handle is Boticus, (laughs) B-O-A-T-I-C-U-S. I also monitor the Mastermind Jam handle on Twitter as well. Yeah. Last question, Ken. What's your why? Why do you get up and do this work? I really find it fulfilling to help entrepreneurs make relentless progress in their business. That sounds like a weird, lofty mission statement. But when you help people get the answers they need and get the human connection that they need, to have the confidence to keep soldiering forward in their business, it's just powerful. And I'm kind of addicted to that rush of of helping other entrepreneurs. I love it. And I'm glad that you're doing the work that you're doing. I think that it's super valuable and important. And I want everybody to go to mastermindjam.com and check out Ken's site. If you need a mastermind group, hop in there and get the support that you need. Ken, thank you so much for sharing with us and being on the show. Thank you. 
Hey, family. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Ken Wallace. Question for you. How do you go about creating a good mastermind group? I mean a mastermind group that really supercharges your growth and helps you to get beyond your comfort zone and grow your business. And not only that, but to overcome some personal mindset and habit stuff. How do you do that? How do you get a group that supercharges you in that way? Well, that's exactly what Ken and I talked about in the bonus segment. So in a moment, I will give you that link so that you can check that out. But first, if you enjoyed that interview and you want to find out more about Ken, you can find his info in the show notes. You can grab those by heading over to zencourses.co slash 117. Once again, that is zencourses.co slash 117 for episode 117. Funny how that works, right? All right, so let's get back to the bonus segment. Like I said, Ken and I got into some practicalities, how you actually create a group that is going to help you and not one that's going to fizzle out. So if you've struggled with mastermind groups like I have, this segment is going to be gold for you. You can get it one of two ways. If you're on your computer, just head to get.zencourses.co slash extra. One more time, get.zencourses.co slash extra. You'll also find that link in the show notes if you just want to go there. If you're on your phone, it's even easier. All you need to do is text the word extra, extra, all one word, E-X-T-R-A, E-X-T-R-A, to the number 44222. You will get a link to watch that bonus segment And you'll also be added to my email list where you'll get free content, updates, and product news from me. All right, that is my time. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I will see you next time. All right, my friends, that is my time. Remember, before you can level up your course, you must first level up your mind. As always, thank you for hanging out with me for another great episode. I do not take it for granted. I am Janelle Allen, and this has been Level Up Your Course. Peace.